0: and a few houses down from all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins. We were and still are a very close family. We went to church on Sundays and then never really discussed it until the next Sunday. I never saw my parents fight and had no idea there was a problem until one afternoon when I was 13. They brought me into the kitchen and began to tell me how they still loved me, but my dad was moving out. It's really all I remembered about that conversation, Um, not having any idea what a divorce was. It wouldn't be long until I understood My dad moved out and my mom's new friend soon moved in. Uh, My my relationship with my mother would never be the same and in fact, um, we still don't talk today.
1: My story started when my 16-year-old mom married to get away from her sexually abusive stepfather. I was born her senior year of high school and the marriage lasted until they divorced when I was three. Um, My mom immediately remarried and my new dad and my grandparents seemed to love me very much. But when I was eight years old, um, they had a daughter, and soon I became the stepchild in the home. I did, um, I did have my biological father and his grandparents, or his parents, who were my grandparents, and they were amazing. Um, my dad started dating um, my now stepmom, and soon they married, and then they started to have their own family and soon I was forgotten again. Um, Neither of my parents ever went to church, um, but I did go occasionally with friends um, and vacation Bible school in the summers. Um, I lived with my mom and my stepdad and my sister. Um, Because of my mom's sexual abuse, there was a lot of tension in our home um, between her and my stepdad. Their problems were talked about openly um, around me and to me, um, and this gave me a very tainted view of marriage and sex in marriage, um, my mom was not only addicted to prescription medication, but also she had a shopping problem that we had to deal with. And that is, um, that's how she showed her love to all of us. Um, and that eventually landed her in prison in September of 1991. She was embezzling money from the bank that she worked at. Um, and at that time, when she was arrested, I was 19... Um, I was pregnant and I was about to get married and my mom was going to prison.
0: Sharice and I met when I was 19. Um, She was 23 and had already, she had a three year old son. We dated for five years before we got married and I told her if we could live together for a year then we would get married and we did. It didn't matter that I had some huge issues like drinking too much, selfishness, pride, just to name a few. So we got married and I figured now that we were married, it was a fresh start. I thought we would just sweep all of the bad things under the rug and start new. I was wrong. I was drinking daily and the things I had done to Sharice while we were dating, like frequently going to strip clubs, broken promises, and just being a selfish jerk were just as painful now that we were married. I also thought our intimacy and communication issues would be gone and I was wrong again. I had a whole slew of expectations that were all about to be unmet. And of course, that would be Sharice's fault because there was nothing wrong with me. It was all her and her issues.
1: I was crazy. (laughs) Um, Our first two years of dating were pretty good, but Chris turned 21 and things started to change. Um, As he mentioned earlier, he was spiraling out of control. Um, Chris and I found out that I was pregnant. And um, after a lot of crying on my part and fear that Chris would leave me, we decided to have an abortion. All of my insecurities started to come out in a terrible way. I was angry, depressed, controlling, and um, really just hard to be around at all. Um, And at the same time, I was really scared of losing Chris.
0: I told Sharice that I didn't want a baby and that she would basically be doing it alone again. I told her that an abortion would be the best option And I had no idea the damage that that decision would cause in both of our lives.
1: My mom was released from prison after nine long months, but she didn't come home like she promised. It was during that time that her addiction to pills turned into an addiction to alcohol. She was never around, and when she was, it was drunken chaos. She was with men who abused her, and I could not understand what had happened to the mother that I once knew. This caused a lot of attention in our marriage and anxiety in me as I tried to save my mom from herself for several years. She finally stopped drinking um, when she found out that she had pancreatic or chronic pancreatitis and she spent a few good years with my sister and me and her six grandkids before she passed away from her illness, January 3rd of 2010. I was angry, I didn't understand why God um, took her away when she finally started to be somewhat normal again. In June that same year, my ex-husband committed suicide and left my oldest son devastated. Again, I was asking God, why? My grandmother, whom was my rock, also passed away that year on October 25th. I was so lost, angry, and hurt that I didn't feel like I could be a wife to an alcoholic anymore be a full-time mom to three kids. So I packed all of my stuff and I moved out. It was during this time that a friend from work invited me to Watermark. Isaiah 55.8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. He used all of my fear, my anxiety, and my brokenness to draw me closer to him.
0: I'd been involved with other women and I'd either told on myself to get attention or Sharice had discovered it from a mistimed text. We were both living separate lives, just meeting at home to cohabitate in the same house and trying to raise our children. I was busy trying to prove I was a man and making sure I was off work by four so I could swing by the beer store in time to have the kids picked up by six. The only reason we didn't fight was because we didn't talk. People around us thought that we were the perfect married couple, that we were really happy. My drinking had led to some pretty intense paranoia, and one morning I woke up before Sharice and noticed that her email was open and I found some things that pushed me over the edge and God was about to use this to show me who was in control. I confronted her with what I'd found and she began to tell me it was nothing. She was only talking with an old friend, but because of my paranoia and my recent experience with only talking with old friends, I knew what this was. I told her I wanted a divorce and I told her that I all but hated her. And she said fine and began to find her own place to live. A couple of days went by and I began to see that this time was different than all the other times before. She was serious and she was leaving. This caused something inside of me to scream. Wait, she was really leaving? How could this be? She can't leave me, who leaves me? I begged, I pleaded, I said whatever I thought I had to, but it was too little too late. Um, Whether or not I I even knew or believed in God, my marriage was something that I placed higher than God. Sharice was as fed up with me as I thought I was with her and she told me I needed to get help for my drinking and she needed time to find herself. Before she left, I was able to check myself into an intensive outpatient program or rehab, um, and I got involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know Christ yet and turned to the only place I knew, and that was the world. My family and friends told me horrible but well-intentioned advice, things like, you deserve to be happy, you should throw all of her crap in the yard, change the locks, she's going to take your money, move on, you deserve to be happy, and on and on and on it went. But in AA, I met men who began to tell me about spirituality. These men were sober, and they were actually happy about it. Some of these men were really passionate for Christ, and so I began asking about them. I'd heard of them, but thought I didn't have enough money or do enough good things to get into heaven. But these guys acted a lot like me, and they didn't have a lot of money. So I decided I was going to wait before I voted myself off the island. I was still unaware that all I had to do to be saved was accept Christ and believe he died on the cross for me. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This was the first time in my life I was allowed and comfortable talking about my struggles with lust, porn, alcohol, and lying. Up until this point in my life, I felt like I was alone trying to do everything myself. I really think God used these men to start the process of fixing me. After Sharice and I had been separated for two months, she informed me that she was going to sign a one-year lease on her new place, and all I really heard was, I hate you and I want a divorce. So with my newfound wisdom and spirituality in hand, I was really gonna show her. This was the end of us as far as I could see, and I really felt alone and helpless. This is ridiculous. But I did it, yeah. From my retirement account, I pulled some money um, to buy a motorcycle and get a divorce, But god had other plans Uh, before i met my new best friend my attorney i needed to buy some new work boots so i purchased the boots and was headed down the road and uh, to meet my attorney and he advised me to go ahead and file for divorce so that if sharice filed i was there first and they tell you whoever files first yeah anyway it sounded good to me and on my way i hit a truck literally i went under the trailer of an 18-wheeler and had to be taken to the hospital I called my wife to mention my little accident and told her not to worry. I would call her after I left the hospital. You see, I had no idea God was working in my life and that he had all of this under control. When I arrived at the hospital, there was my bride. She was scared and actually concerned for me, and this was something I didn't expect. I saw love and the fear of losing me in her eyes, and I had not seen that in a very long time. Two days later, she moved back home, but it was not all roses and chocolate. After I recovered and she knew I was going to live, our problems got worse. (laughs) Funny how that works. I was scared to death she was gonna leave again and that fear was consuming me. It was all I could think about. I went from angry to smothering. After a few months of this, I was beat and I was done and I couldn't go on like this anymore. I was completely exhausted and it showed.
1: So I had been going to Watermark on a regular basis, um, but I really wasn't feeling God change my heart. I was just showing up and checking the box. Um, I knew that Chris was lucky to be alive, and I felt like I needed to come back home, but I really wasn't ready, Um, but I did it anyway. Um, Things were still not good between us. Um, uh, Yeah, Um, I wasn't ready to be back at home, and he was smothering me. Um, I decided that Chris would be better off if I divorced him since I made him miserable. Um, Looking back, I see that that was selfishness on my part. Um, I shared my decision with a friend of mine who had invited me to Watermark and she begged me to try re-engage. So I agreed to six weeks of the then, 26 weeks, and that was all I was doing and I wasn't going to talk to anybody, but I would just show up for six weeks. Um, Luke 11.10 says, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and him who knocks the door will be opened. I told Chris I was not going to say anything. I didn't want people to know my business. But most of all, I really did not want anyone to see the pain inside. If I cried, I got really, really angry. So I just didn't, didn't want to be known. And so that was like my, those were my guidelines. So, um, but, but the Lord knew. We had the most amazing facilitators, Dwight and Bitsy Fletcher. And it was probably about week five that they decided you're going to talk Um, The topic was honesty and I had realized that I had not been honest with my husband. I had beaten him up for several years about being unfaithful when I had not been faithful either. Um, It was an eye-opening experience for me. For the first time, I felt God changing my heart towards Chris and I was owning my part in the disaster that we had created. Um, I have to say that I was skeptical skeptical about God being able to make me want to be married to Chris or God being able to really do anything in my life because I didn't know him, but he is faithful and he did it. Um, the rest of our experience in ReEngage was amazing. God changed our hearts so much in so many ways. I learned to communicate, respect, and love Chris through God's way of marriage um, God is the center of our family now. Our children, family, and friends all see the change in us. Um, Some people don't understand the New Robbins family, but that's okay um, because we live um, for the Lord now. I don't have my wall up anymore most of the time with Chris. um, (laughs) We communicate more effectively now, which is, I think, my big takeaway from ReEngage taught me how to communicate well. Um, I've learned how to ask for forgiveness. I don't have to do it very often, but I do know how to ask. And <laughs> Workin blue. Workin blue. <laughs> I just want to be real here. Um, Where did I go? Yeah. Yeah, I lost my spot because I'm trying to be funny. Um, <laughs> I see the word prideful there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I have learned yeah, how to ask him for forgiveness, although sometimes I'm still very proudful. There we go. We were both on the same page with the way that we raise our kids, which is a big one. Um, Chris reads his Bible every morning and makes sure that you know the family stays on track with our walk. Um, we love to serve as a family and just be together as a family, which is really huge for us. Um, when I met Chris, neither one of us had ever talked about going to church. We didn't discuss... Um, Churches, we discussed how we had been hurt by churches, um, you know, just really tacky things about church. Um, we what? We did discuss how churches had hurt us and how we lived a sinful life, um, thinking our sins were too much to be forgiven for. Watermarks, abortion ministry, someone cares, really showed me um, how I could be forgiven by God. Um, and I can tell you that no matter your background, what it is, um, or what sins you have committed, there is a glorious God that will forgive you and change your heart. Um, you have to listen, be still, and pray. Um, but he is there. And bad things will happen um, still, but somehow it always glorifies him and brings him closer, brings us closer to him. Psalms 139, 23, 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting.
0: When Shrees told me about reengage and asked me if I would be willing to try it, I didn't want to, but I figured we were getting a divorce anyway, so what could it hurt? Maybe she would finally see that the problem was all her and we could change her. <laughs> and I actually asked God to give me the strength and patience to wait for him to change her. There were many nights that we showed up separately, and I had instructions from Sharice not to expect her to talk or to share. I, on the other hand, will share with a light pole, and I had no problem throwing our junk out there. After a few weeks of open group, we got into a closed group with the Fletchers, and God used Dwight and Bitsy to pretty much tell us how it was. We were both selfish and treating each other like jerks. They told us we could either hold on to the past for the rest of our lives or begin to change and forgive one another. The first eight to ten weeks of closed group were really, really tough, but something was happening. Sharice and I were doing the work and God was working in our hearts and in our lives. We were talking about things that we had not ever been able to talk about and actually made progress on changing those. We were extending each other grace and really forgiving. For the first time in my relationship, I was seeing my wife as something special, a blessing and not a curse. Ephesians 5, 33 says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The Lord was moving my heart to place him first and her second and it was starting to show up everywhere else in my life. I began reading my Bible daily and seeking the wise counsel of Christian men. I was gaining patience and humility, two things I'd really been lacking in the past. I was able to own my part of why things were the way they were and see that it was me and not her that needed to be fixed. I realized that no one was coming to bring me the Husband of the Decade Award. I was actually praying for my wife and her well-being instead of for her demise. I began to think about how things would affect her and how I might feel if I were in those situations. My perspective was changing and so was my life. For the first time I was asking the question, how do I biblically lead my family? The old me had no clue that there was an instruction manual for life and how to live it in the Bible. I was never concerned about my relationship with Christ. I'd never thought to ask him for advice when I had a decision to make and I never valued my wife's opinion on those decisions before. I never looked to the word before giving advice either. I was beginning to share all of my struggles with other men and expecting them to hold me accountable and giving them permission to tell me the truth and give me biblical advice. I started asking myself what part I played in my situation and why was I doing what I was doing. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason is still wrong. I began to seek forgiveness and really repent. This is something that was a real real struggle for me asking for forgiveness, because that means I actually had to admit that I did something wrong and validate my wife's feelings. We still wrestle with a lot of the same things today, but we handle them in a whole different way. For the first time in my adult life, there is peace in my home more nights than there is turmoil. I've quit telling Sharice what to do and started asking what she wants to do. One of my biggest accomplishments is that I stopped doing things and expecting something in return. I struggle with lust and dishonesty, but now I have a true accountability partner, my wife. I've learned that Christ never gave up on me and that he loves me in spite of myself. God was with me all along, even when I wasn't sure he existed. All that I had to do was submit, admit that I needed Christ and seek his will. I'm not alone any longer. No matter the situation, it's all right. Christ is enough. I'd like to close with 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you all very much
2: thank you very much so when we were in the worship center before you guys got here I leaned over and I asked these two I said hey if you could take your story and just sum it up into two words what would you say and without batting an eye Charisse immediately said it's grace That's the one thing that I would say made all the difference in the world. And Chris came back with forgiveness. And what a beautiful combination, really and truly, as they share their story, you heard all the struggles and the the hurt and the pain that both of them brought into the marriage. But it wasn't until both of them truly surrendered to just the grace from the Lord and just to extend that forgiveness to one another that things really began to change. And I was just thinking of just Ephesians 4.32 that just says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And it's not a suggestion. He's not saying, hey, if you think about forgiving, if you feel like forgiving, but it's, it's his command. And it's just been such a joy to watch, just God continue to work in both of you and the rippling effect of that that's now impacting their family and beyond. And so these two happen to live quite a distance from here and they're now serving at their home church where they're now working with pre-married couples, correctly, so it's awesome. They're working with, with guys and gals on the front end. Hey, we are so glad you're here. And so tonight, if this is your first time in ReEngage, we're going to ask in just a few moments when we break, for all of you that are here for the first time, if you'll please come down front and be seated in these first two or three rows. Give us a chance to get to know you and tell you a little bit more about this ministry and what you can expect should you decide to dive in with us. If you came to Newcomers last week, Tonight, we're going to ask that when you leave the worship center, if you'll exit through these doors, you can take the stairs or the elevator, whichever way you'd like to go, go upstairs to the second floor, walk across the sky bridge, and go to any of these rooms, 209, 211, 212. So open group, you can go to any one of those rooms. And we are so glad that you guys are with us. I know that we have some conference attendees here as well. And so you guys feel free to hang in here with us for newcomers if you want, and just to tonight, let's go make it a great night of pursuing oneness.